0: Chumba. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday,
1: I will call upon
0: you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mallover Cod... Cop Boss. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the week's Mallover Podcast, the end of the podcast. News, views, opinion. On the weekends, rugby action or with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at More Podcast. We are More rugby Podcast on Facebook. And you can find all of our podcasts on Anchor and Apple Podcasts and lots of other podcatchers. Um, slightly strange lineup this evening. Uh, we may hear from Phil, who hopefully is composing some kind of uh, shed-style monologue because he can't make this evening. So uh, we've given him a tutorial on how to record it himself and fire over, so we'll see how that turns out. Uh, but in the meantime, to avoid another week without a podcast, because we're pretty good at that, um, me and the Lensman thought we'd get together and chat about some stuff that isn't necessarily Premiership Rugby. Um, so we're going to take a little bit of a turn tonight. We're going to start off with a bit of a chat around the women's final that Doug had the pleasure of attending, and then we're going to do something uh, ever so slightly different, especially now... The top four have been decided and uh, the whole premiership has become a bit of a farce. So, um, without further ado, let's talk about the women's final, Doug, from yesterday. Yeah. You you were there at, uh, where was it? Was was it? Gloucester. No, King's home. Yeah. And how was it? How was the atmosphere, first of all? Obviously, fans in the stadium and,
1: you know, it was... Uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of females in the crowd, so the atmosphere was slightly higher pitched. <laughs> Fair enough. Um,
0: and the game itself, um, oh, i got to say, there were parts of it. I didn't watch much of the first half. I sort of came in with, with sort of five minutes to go. And I know the result as a whole was a huge upset. Uh, in regards to everybody thinking that Saracens were were going to pretty much walk all over Harlequins, um, but as far as a as far as a contest goes, it was extremely competitive.
1: Yeah, so I've been doing working on women's rugby. I've been doing women's rugby. Been working on women's rugby for quite a long time since the Maggie Alfonsi days. At you know when they used to play before the Autumn Internationals and whatnot. And um, the club game was always and Mark stepped down but this game was probably more intense than any women's game I've ever seen in terms of physicality and aggression around the breakdown and and all that kind of stuff it was um it was chalk and cheese to what I I, I genuinely thought it had a a bit of edge to it and um was actually a a, a, a good a, a good advert for the women's game. I'm not sure that every women's game would have the same level of physicality and and competitiveness, but this game definitely had it in spades, I thought.
0: But they are probably, well, they're the, they're the best two teams in the country, aren't they? That has been proven by the fact that they both reached the final. Um, I'm not sure how much, I mean, Saracens beat people out of sight on a regular basis. Are... Uh, are Quins and Saracens that much better than all the other teams in the in the Premier Fifteens League? I know well,
1: that I can tell you for now. Like during the warm ups, when when we used to do women's games, we'd go to Richmond or um, Hartbury Women or, or Loughborough or anything like that, you'd know a couple of players. Yeah, I would say I knew seventy five percent of the players on on both sides. It was really recognisable names, big names in the women's game that you've you've seen and are around, and very very good players. You know, um, we're talking players like Hannah Bottoman, Marley Packer. You know, Jess Breach wasn't playing, but she was there. It, it, there were a lot of the the two Cleo girls, yeah, Saris, um, Vic, Vicky Fleetwood, obviously, Vicky Fleetwood. Then you've got. Um, the scrum half, Leanne Riley, like it was basically the England, the England side spread over two teams. um, And the impact players were clearly, you know, on display and, and, and were look, if, if all women's rugby was like this, I would watch it. But the problem is it's not. Yeah. And the problem is there are a lot of, teams making up numbers and a lot of teams that <sighs> without wanting to denigrate it they're, they're, when you get the the Marley Packers and, and those kind of players, they stick out so much that it's almost like if you were a level 7 player that had been roped into playing level 3 like if your 2s ask you to play or, or yeah. if you're a 2s player and you step up to the 1s and they're playing all of a sudden you're playing level 3 rugby you're going to stick out you're going to get smashed and you're going to you know come off second best and it, that's the disparity in women's rugby at the moment it seems like there's a real big gap between the the real good players and the not so good players
0: yeah and i think that that must be that must be down to how much the clubs uh, are putting into it individually how much they decide that, that they're going to fund these players and and how much they're gonna gonna support them. I mean, looking at the Premier Fifteens table, Saracens won the league by six points from Quinns, who were two points ahead of Wasps. And I know just through like um, through Instagram and and seeing there's a lot of a uh, few of the England Sevens ladies play for Wasps. There's Celia Quencer, um, uh Ellie Kildun plays for Wasps as well, doesn't she? Uh, Amy Wilson Hardy. So they're kind of uh, the other winger
1: as well, the England winger. Um, yeah, the fly half. Megan Jones, she's the fly no, the half. Blonde, as well. The curly haired blonde girl that plays uh, wing. Abby Dow.
0: Abby Dow, yeah. So, so you, can, you can already sort of see, judging by the, the players that were, were in Saracens and Quinn squad, add to those the, the Wasps ladies as well. Those three teams are probably fairly far ahead of, of the rest. Um and then you've got the likes of Loughborough, Gloucester Harprey, Exeter. Um, I mean Darlington, poor Darlington Meadow uh, Moden Park played 18 games, won one, lost 17 last season. So that's that's a where like you're, Worcester. yeah. Well that's where that's where your your levels coming, isn't it? And we see next season like Bath are trying to introduce a, a ladies' side, you know. it won't be long before the premier uh, the premier 15s probably Entirely mirrors
1: the Premiership. Well, Saints have the team. I can tell you that much for nothing. Oh, really? Uh, Saints have been very open about the fact that they're not interested in having a women's team. They're a they're a, they're a men's rugby club.
0: <laughs> well, maybe, maybe um, they.
1: But yeah, I mean, back to the game. Yes. We're, we're sort of getting off topic. Sure. I think the thing that really. I really enjoyed about the game was the, the the sort of physicality in and around the breakdown. It's not really something you can often see in a women's game. A lot of the women's game is about long range tries, very fast players. You know, um, I thought some of the stuff around the breakdown was (sighs) as physical as I've seen in a women's match ever. Yeah, and you know, I've done World Cup finals on, with, with the women. It was it was on another level. And um, if the game progresses on on a sort of linear track yeah. from where I've seen it, sort of five six years ago to where it is now, then they're going to have a marketable product in in years to come. And that's the first time I've really admitted that. I've I've often thought that women's rugby would would never be a product I'd want to watch, but if if that level of physicality can continue on on a linear track, then I think the game's in 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 a good good place. Really, the problem you, I think you may have is that Saracens, Wasps, uh, Bristol. Now these teams are going to suck up all those players, and that you know the league is essentially going to be five or six games a year where these teams play each other. Um, that obviously won't last forever and other teams will come through. But um, going on the evidence of this game, I think the women's game is probably in a good place and the the crowd was probably reflected that as well. I mean, it's certainly interesting.
0: What do you think then? Like, here's something that just popped into my head. It's around, if there's a Premier 15, the Premier 15's league, and I looked at the table, there's currently 10 teams in that league. Now, you say that it's probably the, there's probably there's a three that we've mentioned. Bristol are up and coming. Exeter are, uh, are up and coming, um, and then one other. Say, what about like a you know like when they do a um, in the Scottish Premiership for the for the football where they have a league season where they play each other twice, like, and then they find a way to, or they play each other once or however it is, and they find a way to then split those leagues off to then create a mini league. So then you have the best
1: gimmicky though, isn't it? I think I don't think
0: I'm just, all I'm trying to think of is, is a way to, to have those games with that intensity and that marketable product more often while still making them relevant.
1: I I just think that it's just a, a product of a league that's in a place where it needs to improve. I think um, a lot of the teams that, are up and coming could probably point to the fact that they've got strong academies or whatever, and they'll say, Oh, it won't be like this forever, but um, it's just something they'll have to deal with. And I think the more gimmicks you introduce to kind of artificially make the league better, yeah, is probably to the detriment of the, the entire league. And what they're probably better off doing is saying, Well, we've got a Premier 15s, why don't we make it a Premier, you know, five teams for. A couple of years until these teams can actually compete. You know, I, d- yeah. I don't think there's um.
0: Well, you just have two two divisions then, didn't you? If you've got ten, if you've got ten teams, you have a Premier Fifteen, and you have a you know a, a, a second division as such. And then you know those teams have got something to aspire to. You have potential for a promotion and relegation, and then you know that you get people to to improve or teams to improve that way. I suppose the only other issue that you've got then is that the clubs don't get that single home game against one of the big teams where they might be able to draw in a bit of a big crowd and yeah. and have their sort of bumper cash day. Um but you you rightly you rightly say like, as a as a product and as as a rugby match you know there were there were elements that, that were very very good. Let's say the physicality was good. I thought um <clears throat> That would sort of turn, without going down the referee route, I thought at times Sarah Cox made some absolutely baffling decisions, especially... You
1: know, I, I, I can't, I, I've got to disagree with you there. I thought she refereed the game really well. Saracens were, as any Saracens team are, play, played really close to the edge. And I think a lot of times they overstepped. I think what she was very good at was making a decision and that decision then translating throughout the game as in, in the form of consistency, it was pretty much, if you do that, I will penalize you. Yeah. Um, and look, Mar- Marley Packer gave away probably oh. half a dozen penalties and Easy. every one of them was a penalty.
0: Yeah. But there were, yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. And there was, there was, I mean, there was one that sticks out in my mind, which was, in the second half, which led to the Quinns, um, Tuima, who I thought was excellent on the day as well. who kicked all their goals. Whose um, brother plays for Exeter, Plays right? for Exeter, Yeah. Reese Tuima. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, uh, sh- the, the winger made, the, somebody made a tackle and then the winger came in, to steal the ball. And then she gave a penalty as the winger, the, the winger that came in was part of the tackle which i don't think she was at all
1: which but, then led I mean, look decisions get made like that all the time that are subjective if the referee sees it like that you can't blame the referee for making a no. bad decision that's the referee's interpretation of a very bang in the nfl they call it a bang bang play don't they where yeah. two things happen really really quickly and with the benefit of replay you can say well that's a an objectively bad decision, but in the heat of the battle, the referee sees that happen instantaneously and it happens. And then if it does happen instantaneously or or simultaneously, then that's a penalty. You can't. No.
0: Okay. I I think
1: the over of those decisions isn't helpful. I thought she was a very clear and concise referee. She, she gave, she left the players. I think she did really well. To put up with the amount of like, there was lots of chat from from oh, all so of the much.
0: Saracens players, would not there? A so lot, much. She them.
1: did really well to handle that and diffuse it. So I don't think you can. I think a lot of referees, yeah, would probably not have clamped down on that as much. You can look. <clears throat> you can look at Maxwell Keys or or um Ian Tempest would probably let that shit go on all game. You know, which is, but she was just like, no, I'm not having any of this. I thought she was, I thought she was more than, more than good. There was was
0: a lot of that, um, Wasps, Saints on Saturday and, uh, Matt Leal, I think it was Matt Leal. I I know I said I wasn't going to talk about Premiership, but he, he had a a really good start to the game where he was quite explanatory and he let the, the players have a bit of say and then they just kept on and then he got. To the point where he went, up, he's literally like flicked a switch. He stopped being Mister Nice Guy and said, "Listen, I'm telling you now. I've been, I've tried to to be amenable, but you're carrying on,
1: and that's yeah. where
0: that's where that switch. And, and it was it was an impressive performance from him, I must say. Um, I'll tell you what was impressive from Harlequins was that period of time when they went down to thirteen, and yeah. they could have quite easily capitulated at that at that at that point. I mean, they conceded the try." Sarri's got back to within one score and it was like, you know, it was the Alamo, wasn't it? And they managed that situation so well.
1: Yeah. Like, I think that's where potentially the women's game sort of lets itself down. I don't think Zoe Harrison was particularly good. I, I've seen her a few times and I'm not sure she's, I'm not sure she's a great, you know, who was, uh, it was, um, who was the England fly half that retired? Um, Katie something, wasn't it? Oh, well, okay. yeah. anyway, she, she could manage a game and I think that yeah. the game management at 10 probably wasn't good enough to move. And Now, I don't know whether that's because the ball handling is wasn't good enough to move teams from side to side, mm-hmm. like you'd see in the men's game. Third Down to 13 men, you're moving the ball, you're going hands across the back line, stretching the defensive line, shifting it back. You know, I'm not sure. And Saracen's um, at times, did did have like phases of twelve, thirteen phase possessions, but I'm not sure the ball's quick enough, and I'm not sure the passing is precise enough, and I'm not sure the kicking's good enough. Where a thirteen on fifteen vantage is really as big, yeah, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's the necessity to drop three players back to protect kick for territory in those situations because the kicking isn't accurate enough. Um,
0: yeah, agree. And there was, it was like, <laughs> they would, they moved the ball during that period of time. Saracens moved the ball, but it was very lateral. So yeah. it was easy. It was easy to, for, for Quinns to drift defend. There, yeah. there wasn't, there wasn't maybe enough straightening of the line or somebody offering back the other way. Or two into a gap. The, there was no, yeah.
1: there's no sort of crash ball, is there? Sort of no, why, I, I didn't see a lot of when you've got someone with the aggression and the power of Fleetwood and Packer and Cleo yeah. they should be coming off their long run taking crash ball Like yeah. it would seem as Saracen's men do where you hit up Binny Volipola when they were last in the premiership, quick ball hit up uh, Nick um, Skelton, quick ball hit up Marrow Nick, Nick Skelton, isn't he the show jumper? Nick Skelton, yeah, you know him. Mean. <laughs> Matt Skelton, <laughs> not even Matt Skelton, is it? No, Matt it Skelton's the the cricket, uh, the rugby player. Matt, no, Matt Skelton's the rugby player. Nick Skelton's
0: the show jumper.
1: No, nah, it's the other way around, mate.
0: Nah, mate. I'm, go- I'm gonna Google it, but <laughs> Matt, Matt Skelton played
1: for. Um... Matt's- Matt Matt Skelton is a professional boxer. Nick Skelton is the is the rugby player. Nick Skelton, he's an equestrian.
0: Nick Skelton is a former equestrian, right? Matt Skelton is a um, rugby player and he's a former British professional boxer. Definitely, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. Have it. You can have a Will Skelton. Matt Skelton. 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 (laughs) (laughs) What a podcast. <laughs> what a <very laughs> So we so we basically I corrected you with the name of a, a really bad British heavyweight boxer. And it was Will all along.
1: Useless pair of dickheads. Amazing. Um yeah, but so for me, Saracens win this game if they just smash Packer Fleetwood Cleal over and over again and then spin it wide. Hannah Skelton, um uh sorry. Fleetwood, Packer, Bottom and Cleal over and over and over and over and over again. Spin it wide. They win every game. I don't see any women's team that stops that. And I think they were maybe guilty of trying to be a little bit too cute when they were up. You know, I mean, they scored tries. They, you know, they got they got back in the game, but their game plan seemed to. I don't know i I don't know why you wouldn't just run Marley Packer off a, a fifteen yard run up into yeah. the ten channel every single possession
0: it, I don't know whether you probably didn't you probably didn't watch it right um, I make it akin to the Champions League final on Saturday night no. where so man City were the obviously the team that were expected to win Chelsea sat in frustrated them made them look made them bought sort of bought them down to earth, made them look human, made them look normal, and then when their chance came, they took it, and all through the match, the inevitability of Chelsea winning that match just became more and more and more and more. <laughs> and that's how the second half felt for Saracens against Quins. yeah, you know, everybody expected Saracens to go there and win. you know everybody knew that Quins could win and had a chance to win, but the inevitability was Saracens were going to win. Yeah. And like the more the game went on, the more, the harder Saracens tried, but the more disciplined um, in their structure, in but their game it's,
1: plan. It's saint syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. Saints know that they can score from anywhere. And the longer they don't score from anywhere, the more they try to score from anywhere and the more yeah. they fuck up. And I think that's what happened with, with Saris, really. Yeah. Just you, forcing it and forcing it and forcing it.
0: Yeah. And they tried to get the, the same with the went down to 13 players and instead of just rumbling it up the field, keeping it tight, keeping the ball in hand, they, they made a lot of errors and they tried to ship it wide so quickly without mm. any of those dummy runners that it got to the winger. And by the time it got, by the time it got out there, like Quinns had just drift defended. And even if like, even she did step inside, there was somebody there to meet her. And then yeah, they were and turning Quinns, the ball. Quinns over. had
1: an advantage in the fact that they were faster in the outside channels as well. Yeah.
0: They were turning the ball over relentlessly yeah. friends, and they yeah. were so good at the breakdown. So yeah, that I mean an amazing performance, an amazing result. And you know, maybe we, we should look a little bit closer at the at the women's game next year and see and see what what changes are made, what how the teams progress, and you know, maybe try and make a bit of a point in, in getting. Throwing, not that they need our support, but throwing a bit of support their way to, to help people see well, uh, a bit I'll, more?
1: You know, if I'm available and I can, I will watch, certainly watch the return matches of this next year because I thought, I genuinely thought it was an entertaining rugby match. I, yeah. You know, I know there was a bit of chelp going around on our WhatsApp group or our, our Facebook group, even a Twitter group, about it not being very good. I couldn't have disagreed more. I thought it was a fantastic. Um, advert for women's rugby and um, while it would never replace a Saints against Leicester match, it was certainly enough to keep me entertained on the Sunday when there was, you know.
0: Nothing else on.
1: Yeah, when I was forced to watch it.
0: And it was, for me, like my last point on this, it it was a massive step up from any other women's club game that I've seen before.
1: Yeah, I don't, I, think, the I don't think there'd be many women's international matches that would be played with that level of intensity. The teams obviously don't like each other, which yeah. helps, really, really helps. Um, I can't see, you know, I can't see, aside from England and New Zealand, I can't see many women's international matches matching that.
0: Good. Well, it's promising, isn't it? It's promising for the future. And if nothing else, you know, there are, there are two teams out there that when they get together are going to have a right tear up.
1: There you go. happy days I, I, at one point I did think there was going to be some fisticuffs but um, it wasn't to be
0: I mean there's that, some, that would there's... get me
1: involved if, if they started having tear-ups that would be yeah.
0: I mean I saw on Twitter there was, there was somebody put on Twitter that uh, you know, the, some of the kids of these lady rugby players are not going to get bullied at school are they <laughs> Marley, Marley Marley Packers lad is not going to get any grief no. at his school
1: no, I bet she always gets a parking space.
0: <laughs> 100%. 100%. Right, well, that, that was good, you know. Um, really,
1: finish off with a bit of misogyny there. That's
0: absolutely, right. yeah, just to, just to remain balanced. Um, right, so I said we were going to do something a little bit different. Um, we're not going to talk about the Premiership as, as a whole, Uh, What we're going to do, and an idea that is shamelessly stolen from another podcast from another sport, um, is sort of like a ranking of certain positions uh, for every team in the league. So in this podcast, did you say it was around the NFL? Around
1: the NFL, yeah.
0: And they call it the Andy Dalton line. So of the 32 teams in in the NFL, Andy Dalton was always used as a... Level of mediocrity, a do you middle want me ground to explain
1: it, yes, why not? So basically six thirty two teams in the NFL, basically, if your quarterback was worse than Andy Dalton, you needed a new quarterback. If your quarterback was better than Andy Dalton, you were fine. He was basically the sixteenth best quarterback in the league. So we're deciding to do this with the tens in the Premiership. Basically, if you have one ten above um, the the meridian of uh, the premiership. So for this example, we've used the 12 premiership teams and Saracens and we've taken their starting and backup 10s. So there's 26 10s <clears throat> to choose from. If your starting 10 is above the top 13, you're good, you're set. If um, if they're below, then you're probably in a bit of trouble and if you haven't got anyone above the 13th, then you definitely need a 10. Um, <clears throat> obviously, it doesn't work quite as well as with the NFL because the NFL obviously has 32 starting quarterbacks in the in the premiership with the 10s. You've got international requirements to take into effect. And that may somewhat influence our decision, but I just thought it'd be quite fun when, you know, a lot of the premiership, there were some big games, but you know, Russ and I could watch the highlights and pretend we watched all six games this weekend, but what would be the point? I, I only saw one rugby match this weekend in the premiership. It was Worcester who cares, Um, you know, and then Russ would be talking to himself. So we thought we'd do something a bit different.
0: Love it. Right, so let's – where do you want to start? Are we going to start where we think number 13 is and then go from there? Or are we going to start where we think number one is and then – Well, let's start at the
1: top. Let's go – let's rank the top five. Okay. Because I think my – well, certainly my top four are um, going to be different to yours. A 100% or maybe not. So
0: my top five (laughs) – so it's one of one or two, isn't it? One of, one of two.
1: hundred percent, it could be either way, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, right, let me tell you who my top five are, right? On, and that is uh, Marcus Smith at number one, Joe Simmons at number two, uh, Dan, uh, sorry, number three was AJ McGinty, number four is um, Paddy Jackson, and number five is Dan Bigger.
1: That's quite incredible no way have you got all five of them I've got all five of them just in slightly different order and bear
0: in mind as Doug explained before this we've kind of tried to take into account importance to premiership so if you've got a lot of international tens let's take uh, Owen Farrell for instance he is going to spend a lot of his time out of that premiership team so you know that's where you, you need your backup, and in this case, we've got Manu Vudapola as backup for Saracens. You know that's where you would need him closer to the top ten, so that when he spends that much time out of the out of the team, you know you, you're better set. So hopefully that makes sense, and that's why I've gone for that five because I know McGinty, uh, Jackson, Simmons, and Smith at least are all probably. 90% going to play, uh, well, going to play 90% of their Premiership games.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: and then well, I've gone for Dan foreseeable,
1: Bigger. For the future, anyway. Yeah.
0: And Dan Bigger is the best of the rest for me.
1: Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I've gone for Jackson first, just because his importance to that team is so, so big. Um, Joe Simmons, obviously, number two. Uh, McGuinty, three. Smith four and bigger five. I put Smith four. Smith would be my number one, but I think he's going to be involved with England going forward. So I've sort of marked him down a bit because I think even if he doesn't play now, and this is the one thing that I think with Eddie Jones, maybe this is, maybe this is something to do with why Smith's not being picked at the moment. Is there an element of Eddie Jones thinks that Mark Smith would be better served playing a lot of premiership rugby at the moment than just being in a Six Nations squad that is probably not going to start or be on the bench in?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, that does a it's a good point. It would serve him better to play those games, and you know, it's he's definitely developed in the last year. Would he have developed at the same rate had he have been like Jacob Manga, he just sat in a training camp for six months?
0: Yeah. Well, and that, and you mentioned your uh, Jackson, Paddy Jackson's importance to to London Irish. I would argue that Marcus Smith is more important to Quinn's than Paddy Jackson is to. Well, yeah, because of the I've way got they play.
1: Um, I've got Brett Heron as the twenty third ranked. Yeah. Um, I've, half got, half my- I've got
0: I've got him at twenty four out of twenty six.
1: Have you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, should we do the next five down to okay. 10?
0: Let's go, for, let's go, uh, yeah, let's go six to ten. Then you you go first.
1: So Callum Sheedy is six, just because I think he's going to be involved with Wales, but so he's bigger. But I think bigger is better than Sheedy. So, um, then I've got Jacob Umanga. Now, I had, a, I had a bit of a hard time with that, but once you get past Jacob Manga, you're getting into players that are either going to be away with England. Or aren't very good. So I think he's better than Grayson. I think he's better than Vunipola. And I think he's better than Johan Lloyd. Yeah. yeah I at the moment. Um, although Lloyd didn't play 10, did he? He played on the wing at the weekend.
0: Anyway, he came on for... Um, he was the utility back replacement. And Morahan went off after two minutes.
1: So Right, so that that could be... That could, I mean, maybe I could push Lloyd up, but I've got Umanga at seven, um, Danny Cipriani at eight, because I think next season, he's not going to be in England reckoning, and he'll be Bath starter with Priestland gone. Um, and then I've got the England fly halves, Farrell and Ford, just, you know, they are better players, and they, they make more of an impact for their clubs when they're not with England than the people below them, because basically... Once you get below them, you're getting into replacement territory. Um, yeah, so six to ten, Sheedy, Umangas, Cipriani, Farrell, Ford.
0: Okay, well, we've got one one disagreement in there. I haven't got Cipriani in that top ten. Um,
1: okay. For me, but I've got... I that's understandable, though, because he's so hot and cold. He could yeah. just be a fucking disaster, right? And,
0: and, and, you know, when you look at Bath, to me... a bit of a dumpster fire at the moment anyway that needs something other than someone like Danny Cipriani at 10 because they've got so much talent but maybe he maybe he can use that but anyway so I've got George Ford at 6, Owen Farrell at 7, then I've got Shidi at 8, Umaga at 9 but then I've got uh, Rob Dupria at 10.
1: (laughs) I've got him and this is because I've watched him a lot done quite a bit of sale this year and last year as the worst ten in the Premiership. Have you? Yep.
0: Even below the likes. Well, there there are several backups, and I. Well, he is
1: I, the worst ten in the Premiership, beyond any shadow of a doubt. He's dreadful. He's there basically because the other Depreer boys said, look, if you want us, you've got to employ our brother. You've got to give it, our brother a job. It's, it's essentially an um, Ali Dyer <laughs> situation. If
0: you want me, you'll take my brother.
1: Do you know who Ali Dyer is?
0: Yeah, he was the lad soonest signed for um, yeah. Southampton, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, so George Dupreeh has gone cousin. to Steve Diamond. I, I tell you what, bro, my brother's a really good tin like that and Diamond's gone sign him and then he's played him and he's been like wanting to give him the hook after two minutes but can't
0: yeah Luke because he loses Jean-Luc and
1: the other big yeah just tune him up
0: fair enough well you will know, I'll, I'll take that one on the chin I thought he was decent when I've watched him Shins. but then then there you go alright well I mean we can we can get rid of him and put Cipriano in that top 10 and I wouldn't have too much too much issue um for me, from eleven through to fourteen. Oh, Should we go for to the Meridian?
1: Let's go for the for the line. Who's your thirteen and fourteen?
0: My thirteen is James Grayson. Uh, sorry, uh, my, yeah, my thirteen is James Grayson, and my fourteen is uh, Brett Connan.
1: Yeah, Brett Connan's a funny one. I like Brett Connan. I've got him ranked a bit lower just because I don't know the the, the lads I've got the three lads I've got above him. Are all sort of young up and coming tens with you know yeah. bright futures. So I've got Conan at eighteen, but above him I've got Atkinson, Skinner, and Barton.
0: Yeah, I, I've I've put Skinner a lot lower because he hasn't played a lot. I mean that game, the, the game that I watched him against Gloucester, where they basically played a third string side against a very, you know, almost a first-team Gloucester, was, it was a really accomplished performance. And he was very, I, I, I don't know, were you working that game at Keystone. Yeah, I was, yeah. And he he was bossing his forwards about, he really took charge of that game from an Exeter perspective. Even though they got beat, he was very commanding in that role. But yeah. I haven't seen enough of him to put him any higher
1: um well I've got him I've got him above those guys because he plays for Exeter so he's going to be well drilled he's going to you know yeah they're not going to put him in that side unless he knows what he's doing
0: yeah
1: um my my 13th was Yohan Lloyd
0: yeah I've got him
1: at 12 so he's not far away right so I've got Billy Ford uh for the Polar at 12 just he's... because he'll be playing a lot yeah but I think you, like these three players are all in sort of could be this is this is the kind of thing you're looking at so I've got Yoan Lloyd at 13 and Johnny McPhillips at at 14
0: okay so you've gone with you've gone with McPhillips because I put Zach Henry uh, in at number 19 well
1: I've got him at 25 because he's shit
0: he is shit but I I also then had below him the likes of um, Heron and Atkins and uh, well just above him is 17 I have Billy Searle But that was.
1: Yeah, he's so my three worst. Well, my four worst tens in the Premiership are Heron, Searle, Henry, Dupree. They're all. Is that
0: that because you've not seen much of Atkins from London Iris? We just guess about him.
1: Well, Um, if he's worse than Heron, Searle, Henry, and Dupree, he probably shouldn't be playing Premiership rugby.
0: (laughs) Where have you got Orlando Bailey then? He's played a fair amount of. uh,
1: Not ranked because um, uh, I only did two per squad. If I was going to put him in, he'd be around that sort of Barton, Skinner, Atkinson area. I I think what you've got to look at, really, is the clubs that haven't got anyone above the 13 13 line, and you're looking at sale. Uh, Sorry, uh, you're looking at... um, Worcester. Worcester, Newcastle. Gloucester. Gloucester. Yeah,
0: yeah, and then and then also you've got to bear in mind, like I said before, Leicester and Saracens and uh Saints. Although Grace, or I've got Grace in at 13, you've got to look at those three and and maybe Bristol as if she's going to be away a bit. Um. They Those players, Farrell's not going to be around a lot. Neither George Ford. So that leaves Johnny McPhillips, Carl Henry. I think Freddie Burns is back
1: at Leicester next season. Carl Henry. Zach Can Henry. I say Carl
0: Henry? Yeah. Carl Henry's used to play for Wolves, didn't he? He's a <laughs> combative, combative centre midfielder. Um, Zach Henry. Uh, I don't know what his plans are next season. And Johnny McPhillips. But if you've, if they've got Freddie Burns back, that, that makes a lot of difference to Leicester, I think, next season.
1: Well, I don't think he goes. I don't think he's any better than McPhillips, right? Or is McPhillips just on loan? Uh,
0: I can't answer that. But I'm going to have a look. But Farrell and Vunapola, you know, like to so when Vunapola would have learned a fair amount in the championship, hopefully, he spent a lot of time with Owen Farrell. But if Saracens are going to be competitive next year, and I'm talking top four competitive, when they haven't got Itoji, Farrell, Daly, George, the Villapolas, the list goes on. They need so they need players that are gonna that are gonna make a difference. And I don't I mean, know whether well, Manu they, Vinipola... lost,
1: they lost their opening game without all of those players, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, championship. So yeah, they are gonna need. I think they could probably do an upgrade because what I've seen of Matt, Manu Villapola is not that great, really. No. Gloucester,
0: the Gloucester, the other team, Lloyd Evans and, and George Barton. I know they've played George Barton a fair amount, and Billy Lloyd, Twelve. Lloyd just...
1: is essentially a haircut in a rugby shirt. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see what what the biggie is. What this says to me, when you go through these players, is that foreign tens don't want to play in England.
0: Well, if you like. Look at the likes of Sophouaga. Like how when was the last time we had a foreign superstar marquee signing ten come into the come into the premiership? Either like you don't see any French because they get paid an absolute dickload of money in France, then any Southern Hemisphere. I mean, um oh god, Kirkley Beale?
1: Biel, Biel yeah, played but he played a lot. A bit, of didn't really
0: played a lot of fullback, but didn't really. I mean, he was good at fullback for WAS, wasn't he? But he didn't like play a lot of ten. Soporengo, I've just mentioned.
1: They all didn't... tend to go to France, and I, I think that's. I don't think that's entirely about money because I think the money is in the Premiership, yeah. As well, I think there's there's comparatively similar. I think there's less clubs that are throwing it around, which is, you know, if Saints had their time again and they realised how much money it was going to cost to keep Reinach against losing him. I'm pretty sure they'd spend that money now, knowing what they know. Yeah. Um, look at the money. You know, Rendranda isn't, you know, he got lured away from France. So the money's in the premiership. Um, I just don't think, I I don't know whether it's, Something about a lack of ambition with the premiership clubs as to why they're not going after these people. Like why are why are the Kiwi tens if if Bowden Barrett's available and he's going to go and play in Japan, why are premiership clubs not throwing the checkbook at Bowden Barrett? Now, is that because Bowden Barrett doesn't want to come and play in England because of a perceived sort of bias against how English teams are playing? Does the, do they not think that they're going to f- their game's going to fit? Um, look at the tens that have that have left New Zealand. Look at the tens that have left South Africa. They're not coming to England.
0: No, they're not. I, like Pollard. I mean, look back at all the. If you look back at the South African tens for the last six or seven years, go back to like Mornay um Hondru, Pollard. Um, even the likes of who was the Franz Stein, I know he was he was kind of a 10, 12, 15, wasn't he? But they uh, the guy wanna...
1: that went to Ulster, who was the Ulster guy? Uh... Played 9 and 10.
0: Oh, god, Ruan Pina, yeah. Um, and then look
1: the... at the look at the 10, you, you know, in the European Cup final, you had a 9, 10 access at for uh La Rochelle with um. Uh, higher West and who, who was there? 10 can't remember anyway. They seem to they don't seem to come to England now. I don't know if that's because it's viewed as a you know forward dominated league, but it, 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 there are players out there. You look at Joel Pleson, was uh, uh not Pleson, who, who was the guy that um Courtney Laws folded up at Twickenham no, and that massive it, hit, Pleson. It was, but he's a ten, yeah, right? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: He was on the bench for to for La Rochelle. Mm-hmm. Surely he'd be better served playing in England.
0: It does make you wonder, doesn't it? Especially when you break it down. Look is there a lack just...
1: of? Is there a lack of ambition from English clubs to get these players? Is what I'm saying because you look at some of the tens here, and there's a lot of dross, is not there? I mean, there's probably well who who are the who are the tens that would get into sides outside of england jackson
0: ford farrell uh,
1: smith, smith bigger farrell ford that's it
0: yeah you could you could make a case for simmons but simmons is exeter's ten isn't he He's simmons no
1: Sim, simmons isn't getting in the french team
0: no i if, could see if, I if tell all you those I players could see hit
1: simmons. the open market and the premiership was over overnight I think you've got five players there that would have a guaranteed job. You know McGinty think... would probably get a Pro 14 gig, but he's not playing in France. No.
0: I think Simmons would be a really good fit for Leinster. Very jo- almost Johnny Sexton like 10.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I've never, I've not really thought about that comparison before because I, I compared him to like a hybrid Ford Farrell. Runs a bit more. But game managers a bit less mavericky, and I think that's probably Sexton. You know, with the yeah. the, the Sexton wraparound type type of affair, and that's very system based, isn't it? Just a yeah. state state funded system.
1: Yeah. Um, well, it shows you as well is a lot of teams are happy to have a homegrown backup ten because they're cheap. Yeah. Um,
0: and how many? And how many of those interestingly, Right. So, going back to your point about players and salary cap and all that sort of stuff. How many of those players are starting to turn to marquee players within the Premiership? None. Uh,
1: the bigger. Oh, bigger. Okay. Um, I mean, you, do you know, you know what? what? Bigger's Farrell. probably the only one, right? Yeah. Because Ford can't be a marquee player because they brought him from Bath, the didn't Cad-
0: they? Uh, yes. Didn't he start at Leicester, then went to Bath, and then went yeah. to that? Leicester? So does that count as academy credits?
1: I don't know. Um, and and also in England international credit. Would Paddy Jackson be on that? No, probably not. Probably wouldn't be on marquee money because who would their mark? Uh, I, I well, mean, we're not going down a marquee player no. rabbit again. We, we know what people think of that discussion. Yeah. But <laughs> but, uh, but that's
0: the point, isn't it? Like
1: yeah, that, you think you're, seemed your your best like player a position that's valued, but the teams that win have the best tens. Is yeah. There's, there's a disconnect between what teams seem to value in terms of spending money and what actually makes teams win. And as with the NFL, if you don't have a decent 10, you're not winning.
0: Yeah. But also, like, you could, you could, comparison and say, well, if you spend money on your own line, vis-a-vis your back row, and you see a lot of marquee players in the back row, then you can't protect your 10. Or if you don't get the ball going forward, you can't protect your 10 to then give yourself front football to then allow the 10 to get, to move forward.
1: If George Ford plays 22 games for Leicester, they qualify for the Champions Cup, right? 100 they, they qualify for the playoffs. More than likely. But they've, they've played 15 games with Zach Henry at 10, and it's yeah. proven that they are a, a demonstrably worse team without George Ford and you could say that had they had a better 10 had Mount Phillips been fit or whatever they may have had a few more points so and maybe they'd replace Harlequins
0: and that and that's where you could that's when you could legitimately say if someone was to go out and take Marcus Smith's cruciate ligament Quinn's would
1: be nowhere near the top four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that's in doubt really, but, um,
0: because yeah, the next cab off the rank uh, is Brett Heron.
1: There, there, there are teams that if you're Gloucester rather than going out and getting a marquee winger in like, as they did with, I mean, they weren't to know that Cipriani was going to bail on them, but Surely you'd you'd go and break the bank and get some Kiwi or some, you know, someone that can do you a job that's, you know, so you don't have to rely on fucking Billy 12 trees kicking your penalties at the death to win games.
0: Yeah, 100%. But then you think with, with the potential ring fencing and all that sort of stuff, is that going to change the way that these teams approach their recruitment? who knows who knows what's going to happen that's a that's a conversation for another day um but that that was a really interesting exercise i reckon it would be good to do to do that for nines next i reckon maybe yeah. next week we'll look at maybe do it and if a, anyone can nice. be
1: bothered why don't you yeah, get on your little twitter machines and and type out your little uh, so so is this is this now the mcphillips line no, for for rugby, if you've got if you've got a better ten than Johnny McPhillips, you're set. Or do we go with the top twelve?
0: I, I would say if you've got a better twelve, if you've got a better ten than James Grayson or or Brett Connan.
1: Well, Brett Connan because he's a, an actual starter, right? Yeah,
0: not the husk of Toby Flood, which turned yeah. up at so we're something. going
1: with the Connan line. The Conan line. If you have a if you have a, a ten that you can say but but mate, I think there's probably fifteen tens that are better than Brett Conan. Potentially. I don't think they
0: actually are
1: yet. See see we've done this we've done this list based on Value How, to their premiership. Value to the team. We should have done it on actual ability, shouldn't we?
0: We, we probably should have done In which case, it would have changed. Uh, Farrell are far doing
1: just with the 12 starting 10s?
0: Yes, I think that that's the best way to go. We're going to do this next week, but we're going to do the 12 starting 9s.
1: Okay. I think in that case, it's probably the Umanga line.
0: Jacobu Jacob Umanga line. Like it. I'm all right yeah. with that.
1: Okay. Jacob Umanga line. If you've got a 10 that's... If your starting 10 is better than Jacob Umanga, you are fixed. If your starting 10 is worse than Jacob Umanga, you haven't got a starting 10. There you go. Good.
0: And, and we move. Um, had some fairly exciting news about the Mollover Invitational this week. Really? Um, we have got a uh, potential sponsor. Wa- uh, the Wax... Bar um, at the rug- Nuki Honest Rugby Club have agreed to let us have the facilities for free and give a p- portion of bar takings to uh, Rugby Against Cancer. So I'm going to set That's up. Like. Um, I'm going to set up a meeting with them, and we're going to sit down and we can rent the pitch for free and then hopefully get on there and uh, and have a game. So if there are anybody out there that maybe want to think about setting uh, sponsoring us a set of shirts. What we'll do is we'll um, we'll look to to get a kit together for the 9th of October and maybe auction off the shirts at the end or raffle off the shirts at the end for proceeds to Rugby Against Cancer um, and you know maybe look to do another one in the future and get some more shirts. Who knows? But that's where we are at the moment. So we're still on the 9th of October. If you are planning on coming, if you want to come, if you want to play, can you please email me or us, at uh, Podcast, all one word, at outlook.com. And just state that you'll be coming and what position you play slash would like to play. So we've got an idea of numbers and positions, and we can try and build a, a bit of a game around that. But uh, all positive, all systems go. Perry done a great job in, uh, in setting up a little meeting, and uh, Wax are more than happy to, to get involved. And um, yeah, and hopefully we can raise a little bit of money for, for Rugby Against Cancer at the same time. But um, also well done to those Rugby Against Cancer guys who did the final trek at the weekend. Uh, they raised an awful, awful lot of money going from uh, somewhere in London down to Portsmouth Rugby Club. Um, they trekked pretty much for 24 hours, probably longer than that, for 40 hours or whatever it was, getting down to Portsmouth Rugby Club. So well done to those guys. And I know they've got a lot of support from, uh, seen Instagram videos from the Extra Boys and Luke Pierce and lots of other people wishing them well. So well done to all those guys and uh, great effort. And hopefully we'll see the next fundraising event soon. Um, but other than that, should we uh, should we get into any other business? You got anything else you want to talk about, Doug? This evening?
1: You, you go first, mate.
0: Oh, why are you a dick? Because I was going to think of any other business.
1: That that's exactly what just. I was going to do which probably suggests that I haven't got any
0: yeah well me too in that case I haven't got any either um, so let's, let's end it there I mean hopefully I don't know for certain whether Phil will send through his little monologue or not in time for me to get this out tomorrow so if he does you can now enjoy uh, a Phil Farm Vet monologue in the style of Eddie Stevens probably not as sweary probably not as ranty um, talking about Eddie, actually, Eddie got a really nice shout. I'm going to shout Eddie out as well. Um, a bit less highbrow than his shout. out Yeah, but Ross, anyone that Eddie,
1: listens to this is almost certainly already have listened to that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But how nice was it? Like, I, th- yeah. I just thought it was yeah, a real really nice good. touch from yeah. from Tim. Completely unprompted, completely like out of the blue, and to to appreciate something. He didn't have to. He didn't have to say anything. Didn't have to like, you know. And, and he, it just shows to me the level that, that those guys operate at. Without wanting to, meaning to suck them dry, um, they are great blokes and they are really helpful and they're really generous with their time. And you know, they're 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 really nice, genuine people, Um, which is more oh, you just, can say for just, some just of the rugby a, Twitter community.
1: On a personal note eddie's eddie's a funny fucking guy he is a funny guy but, <laughs> there was several times during his last pod where i openly guffawed in my car so and it takes a lot to get me guffawing.
0: Uh absolutely unless you're telling me to fuck off or um the likes on a football pitch But there you go um We'll leave it there. It's been an absolute pleasure. Lensman, thanks for your company. A little two ball -ball this evening to keep keep the wheels turning. Um, And we'll be back next week in some way, shape, or form to do some other recording for your audio pleasure. So uh, go well.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.